Hi, welcome to The Lampstand. I'm Alex D. I'm a father, husband, and content creator and manager here at Family Rosary. Our goal with this podcast is to equip families, mothers, fathers, and their children with the light of Christ and to help them grow closer to God and closer to each other. I'm really excited to have you here today and join me for this conversation. Welcome to another episode of The Lampstand. This episode is part two of a conversation with Dr. Atkinson as we discuss the biblical roots of family. If you haven't yet listened to part one, I recommend you check it out and then listen to this episode. Just a little bit of personal history here. I um, So I got married two years ago. Oh, yeah, two years ago in a month. Um, now, time has flown by. I cannot believe that. So I was in LA and pursuing acting in film and doing, you know, doing that kind of in individual drive that you were, you know, talking about without even like really knowing it. And so what you're talking about with like a lot of Catholics today, not realizing it, I was definitely one of those guys, you know, I, it is so easy to fall into. It is, it is so easy to fall into yeah. and marriage has really changed so much of how i view myself how i view god and especially becoming a father like that's completely even multiplied by tenfold more but it really does change how we as as men specifically view view what it means to to be a man and also like what is my life about being the the individual me, it was simply just about you know getting getting ahead and getting what I wanted, and then still being miserable, <laughs> you know, still being <laughs> still being like, why am I not happy? And then praying, God, why am I not happy? <laughs> you know, but you know, marriage it really does like it is about that sacrifice of unity and and coming together, realizing that I'm not for myself and. And neither is, and my wife would say the same thing, especially now that we have a child um, and realizing that that was Christ's message to us too, that he was not, you know, he wasn't just, just coming here for himself. He was coming here for, for us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to be with him. But that is, is definitely under attack today. And I think that there is a response in this idea of the domestic church of, of what families are. And I don't know if, this term is well understood among a lot of people, but is this, is it the, the term the domestic church? Is that, is that the encompassing term of what you're, what you were just talking about of this, of, of this presence of Christ within the call to marriage? What I would say it is the culmination uh, in many ways of, of, of the, of salvation history, if I can put it that way. Because in the Old Testament, the family is absolutely critical. As a matter of fact, if you don't have the family in the Old Testament, in Judaism, there is no covenant. Mm. The covenant is a familial reality. It's given to Abraham and his family line. All the families of the earth will be blessed. Uh, It's going to be the family meal, which is the Passover. Uh, and so on. 
and in the family line of David, the Messiah comes. So you you can't if you extract the family uh, from the Old Testament, uh, there is no covenant because things like the redemption, the right of the redemption of the firstborn, uh, the Passover itself, uh, the circumcision of the uh, the first male child, all of those things which are part and parcel of the covenant of God with Abraham uh, and then with his family, as it develops, uh, are all family. And all uh, father-led rituals. Uh, it, it's not like everybody went to the temple and did their thing and then went back to their homes. It was the home that was the center of the locus of the cult, in essence, uh, as far as many things go, as the ritual side. And then later on, uh, with Moses, you, you do have the temple, and of course, that is the localized presence of God. So, in the Old Testament, the family is the carrier of the covenant. It's, it's indispensable. But what happens in the New Testament is that it now becomes, because of the death of Christ and the giving of the Holy Spirit, because ultimately what the promise to, to Abraham was, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed, is when you come to that blessing, we discover it's the, it's the giving of the Holy Spirit. So the presence of Christ is and the Holy Spirit is living within us, uh, not just outside directing, but actually living when we become the temple of God. And the reason is, is because the Holy Spirit is living within us. That's why all early Christians were called saints, every one of them, because they were baptized into Christ. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They are the temple of God. They have holiness living within them. So in the early church, it, Paul talks to the saints who are at Corinth. Uh, and that's how it was always understood. And that there is that truth about that. So what happens in the New Testament is that the family now, because the mother and the father and the children are all together and they're, they are in Christ, They've converted to Christ, they've given their hearts to Christ, and they're baptized in Christ and have received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is actually active and living within them and within their family. So there's a fundamental difference between a Roman, let's say Roman family in the first century who had come to Christ and had been filled with the Holy Spirit, the father, the mother, and the children. They're radically different than their next door neighbors who are, they know them, they're friends, just like we would be today, but they're worshiping Jupiter uh, or Juno or whomever. And they don't have the Holy Spirit within them, transforming them to become like Christ. So the, the family now becomes the place or the locus, the sphere where the Holy Spirit is acting, or what you could call it, eschatological activity, because that's what the Holy Spirit is bringing is the final days where we will be totally united with Christ. So the family in the Old Testament is the carrier of the, of, of the covenant, and that's true of the New Testament, but something even more profoundly ha profound happens, which is that the promise has now been realized in Christ, and the Holy Spirit is living within our family, and we have the power of Christ to forgive each other, to love each other, to pray for each other, to teach the truth to each other, and to show that love of Christ to each other and to those around us. There's a, there's a radical difference that we have. As Paul says, it is no, in Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So there, the presence of Christ is within us. 
And that's why uh, Jesus teaches us that marriage is indissoluble, which the church has always taught, because Christ is within us. He will give us the power to forgive the wounds that our spouse has given us or our children have given us. He wants unity, real, true unity, unity in Jesus Christ, not just people living at the same address, doing their own thing. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, uh, marriage isn't about having a roommate. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I think that, you know, that what you just said is really making me think of like, you know, my, my upbringing. A lot of people always ask my parents, I have, I have five siblings and we're all pretty connected to our faith. And, and my, uh, my parents are always asked like, you know, how, how did you have five kids that ended up still, you know, still being connected to their faith. Uh, to be fair, there's, there's three of us that are biological, two are adopted, that were adopted older, and the two adopted older ones are, they're on their, their faith journeys. We're still, we're still working on them. My other three, so the three of us who are biological, you know, we have started young and with my yep. parents all the way through. And they were very, yeah, everyone's always asked them, like, you know, how did you guys do this? And I, I don't really know if my parents did this on purpose, but like they discovered their faith kind of within being parents, you know? So it was never along the lines of like, you must do this or like, you know, what's, you know, I'll ship you off the CCD and you'll learn your faith. It was always a family effort together. Mm -hmm. It was mm -hmm. always experiencing the faith together. And it was a deep faith too. It wasn't a surfacey, um, you know, just check the boxes faith, um, faith life. And that's, I think what, kind of saved us as opposed to my other friends who, you know, had well-meaning parents, but, you know, just put them off as CCD. And, you know, you did faith when you were in church and you did faith when you're in CCD. And that was kind of it, you know, that was kind of like what you were supposed to do. And that, and I think that's honestly what they thought they were supposed to do too. I'm like, yeah, well, we do faith things and faith places and not having this understanding, like, no, the faith is here. Like the faith is right here in where you are. And to really realize that and to realize the sacredness of that and to build and foster that. And I, I just think that that is what, if we can figure that out today and, 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 you know, spread this message to the faithful that you can do this and to discover this, that like, we will have strong families. We will have strong families who keep the faith and hopefully stop this, this uh, flood of teenagers and college students who just like stop the faith, yeah. stop practicing. And I think it's a, and, and, and it's capturing that like this narrative that you are, this, the, the story that you're saying, telling us here is so, I think, action packed. Like, it's like, you can't look at the Bible and, and its history and not experience this, this beautiful story of mm -hmm. God's love and just the, the epicness of it. You know, it, this, I think that we have to capture just this epicness of God's love in the family and it's not and like the culture has been so smart to attack the family as boring or so like you're you're you are strapped down and you do nothing and suffocating. i think that yeah. suffocating and if you look at it like that you can fall into that i'm not mm -hmm. saying you can't but if you look at it as this amazing call to adventure with god and his and his covenant with us it is a beautiful beautiful gift. And I think like that is what we just, that's what we need to do. That is what we are called to do as, um, as families in the church is to realize this, we are part of this story 
and it's still happening now. Yeah, you're very. That's well, very well put, Alex. Um, I, I think the story, um, as you're talking about in the narrative, uh, we we really have to go back to the Garden of Eden and and uh, that first temptation because what is the first temptation? The first temptation is I am going to assert my will over God. Yeah. I am going to become God. And that's 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 at the root of all temptation and of all sin. And in our day and age, because of technological means, social media, and all that type of thing, we seemingly have capacity uh, to exert our will uh, in such a way that uh, is is just uh, greater, I think, the capacity uh, than in other ages. Uh, ever, every age has had the same problem, but we, with our technology uh, and all that, we seem to be able to assert our will. And you see this with uh, social media, where if somebody doesn't like somebody, they uh, they call them out and then they send mobs to their home and all that. So it's all very intoxicating. And that's what the problem with our self-will is. And it, it's, it's, it's an inflated self-will. It's, it, it really is uh, diametrically opposed to God, uh, this, this, this rebellion against God. And, and it's at the heart of every human person. That's what the fall is. And, and, and I said, it is intoxicating. And with our, especially like with media, we see so many things and it looks so wonderful and so great. And I can do my own thing and I can follow my own dreams and I can be whatever I want to be and all that. And the problem is, is that it, 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 it's, it's empty. There's a, there is an existential vacuum that is created when you only live for yourself and you only exert your self-will for yourself. So the call on the human person all throughout history has and always will be the question Jesus asked us. We're all going to be confronted with it at some point, which is, who do you say I am? It's, it's not a Christianity is not a program. Um, being the domestic church is not a program. It's, it's not like you check these boxes and all that type of stuff. Uh, or it, it, there's, there's something at the very core of who we are, which is what is our relationship to Jesus Christ? That has to be settled. Uh, otherwise, it's kind of, I mean, you can do certain things, but at the, the bottom is at some point that question has to be wrestled with. And we have to say, who am I? And in answering that in relationship to Christ, uh, we can be opened up. We'll either close ourselves, like the rich young ruler, you know, he just, he, he left. He had the opportunity, but he left. He went on living. He did all the Jewish things he wanted and everything else, but he had missed the opportunity. And and that's what's happening in today. People are missing the opportunity of true life, of, of the adventure of life, of, of, the, of the realism. Uh, once you discover that, of who Jesus is, and this being wedded to him, becoming part of his body, being led by him as Lord, your whole life has changed. And once that is established, and as you live that out, uh, as Paul, again, as Paul said, it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
as that begins to live in you and as you, you experience it, then, then you form your family in a way that will be different because you will not allow uh, things in your home that will take away from your human dignity or purity or whatever and so on. And, and it, it's always a struggle because we live in a fallen world. But as Catholics, we know this is why we have confession. It's wonderful. You can always regain that initial purity. You can always rena- regain uh, the starting point and start building up our family. That's that's the wonderful thing is that it's never too late. And the thief on the cross showed us that. And so the point being here is that what we're talking about, the first um, pillar, as as I said, is a recovery of an uh, an authentic uh, theology of creation. We have to know we're creatures and that nature has a givenness to it. And we have to respect that. And then the second one is um, baptism that what we're talking about as the domestic church is our people who are baptized into Christ. And, and that means not just a ritual, but it means that you have promised because of your love of Christ and you know who he is now to renounce the world, the flesh, and the devil. And that's a constant struggle. And we've not been very successful, again, because of things like the media is so massive in our homes, um, internet, televisions, all that programs. And we know uh, that there's been you know, a very determined and very conscious uh, program on, the, on many people who are involved in media to change people's values on fundamental issues. And it's anti-Christian at this point. And as we watch these shows and talk shows and so on and so forth, we're uh, imbibing these ideas. And after a while, we just accept them without even knowing them. What baptism in in Christ is, uh, it's interesting. The, the, The first creed of the church is three words. Jesus is Lord. That's the first creed. And what it meant is that I have given my life to Christ, to Jesus. Uh, Cardinal Sarah has a book, All or Nothing. And, and that's the reality of, of Christianity. And Jesus says that, you know, count the cost if you're going to follow me, uh, because there is a cost. And as we face that, the, there, there is an existential moment in every life where we're going to say either yes or no to him. And, and we have to be aware of that, I think, in, in our own lives. And of course, it comes up in different ways. Uh, it can be a very specific moment, or it can be you have uh, a desire to lust or you're not to lust. Are you, who, whom are you going to follow, the world or Christ? So and each of those decisions are who's Lord of my life, the world, you know, the, the world, the flesh, or the devil, or is it going to be Jesus? So, so many people, I think, go off to college who've been Catholic, but they've, they've not had that um, existential moment where they themselves have made that decision uh, that they really have given their life to Christ. So I think that, uh, and, and that is, it's, that's a very profound reality. And as I said, people come about it in all sorts of ways. And we know from some of the saints, they were little children and their sense of Christ was so powerful as children that they, they really gave their life to Christ and, and they followed that through all their lives. It's again, it's not a program, 
but it is a moment, an existential moment. And and again, I think that's why so many people who are at least nominally Catholic, when they go to college, they don't have the resources uh, to really affirm uh, their commitment to Christ, and they may never have made it themselves personally. And that's a problem with um, rituals. Rituals are wonderful, and we need them. But they they also have to um, have to be part of reality in our own lives. They have to express that this is who I am. Yeah, that is a whole another discussion I'd love to have with you talking about importance of rituals and how to do them. Because I think that we get lazy as Catholics. Somebody was always like, "Well, here, here you go," <laughs> you know. <laughs> exactly. But there, there is such a beauty to that. And as a father, like I'm realizing that, like I want to have like good rituals for my child. But another discussion. Um, I think that this is a beautiful place for us to wrap up this wrap up this conversation, uh, Doctor Atkinson. I think that really honing in on the domestic church is not a program; it's a way of being. Like that is so important. And it's not something that you can just check off and, you know, call it a day. It's something that is part of your relationship with Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I think that is something that we can all, it takes a lifetime. <laughs> it takes a yep. lifetime of work. And and your, and your approach to your family life is just going to be completely informed by that. And we have to, I know that I have to work on that. We all have to work on that. But I just want to thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. And I know that I know that if we as a church can really start to see God in, in our choices as fathers, as mothers, as people, you know, we will start to come back to him. We'll start to have, we'll start to move this culture in a way that is positive, <laughs> in a way that is life-giving again and it's and, and you're right it, it it does have it is not easy you know it, it is going to have a cost to us at some points i had many many acting opportunities and when i was you know in uh, hitting the streets of la that i had to just say no to and it was there, there was pain in that sometimes you know it was yeah. just like oh man if, if i didn't have any standards i could work a lot more <laughs> but um but at the same time, though, I know I would have been miserable. And I know that, like, oh, my gosh, I look at my family today and I, I look at my wife and my child and uh, like that, those uh, those sacrifices and those times when I had to say no, like they were not even a speck of significance compared to what I have right now and compared to my relationship with God either. Mm -hmm. um, so I just want to thank you. And I really think that we should have more conversations like this. I really hope so. I hope so, too. It's uh, It's been a great opportunity to, to talk about these things. Thank you so much. All right. Well, Dr. Atkinson, thank you for joining us on the podcast, and uh, we'll talk some more later. Okay. Bye-bye. Right. If you're interested in more insight from Dr. Atkinson, check out his book, The Biblical and Theological Foundations of the Family, The Domestic Church. Till next time on The Lampstand, take care and God bless. Mm -hmm.